Question number one, what is cancer? And question number two, what is sin? A lot of people are perishing because they don't know what cancer is. They don't know how to treat it. But there are many more people who are perishing in this world because they have no idea what sin is. There is a very close relationship between the definitions of both of these and the progression of both of these. The definition of cancer. Cancer is cellular growth and development in transgression to the law that governs our bodies, the DNA. Now, who do we get our DNA from? Parents. And so we have an amazing combination of mother and father that has combined, and here we are. We have a law. We have a, a governing manual by which the body operates. And this was passed down from generation to generation, changed here and there by our own lifestyles. Our lifestyles can change our DNA. But originally, DNA was perfect, was it not? God created DNA, and we know that every good and perfect gift comes from God. But because of these, these transgressions in our lifestyle over the years, our DNA has sometimes become faulty. Don't let anyone ever tell you that it doesn't matter what you do, it just matters what genes you inherited. Because it very much does matter what we do. Faulty genetics load the gun, lifestyle pulls the trigger. So basically, you might have come with a genetic disposition to develop diabetes, because maybe your father had it, or your grandfather, your grandmother, or someone in your ancestry had this disease. And so you may have some fault there, some genetic fault. But if you decide that you're going and you're going to live an indulgent lifestyle, you will be bringing out that defect and making that gene basically turn on. See, God designed this perfectly and He set our bodies in perfect order and perfect harmony. You can look at a cardiac muscle cell under a microscope and say, that's a cardiac muscle cell. But if it becomes a cancer, you look at it, you're like, oh, I don't know what that is. It just looks like some kind of just blob. And so unfortunately, this is the beginning of cancer. Did you know that we have this kind of mistake going on in our bodies right now? These mistakes? But most of the time, the cell that has this genetic defect, actually it reads back over it to make sure that it's going, uh, operating and restructuring itself correctly. And it realizes that it made a mistake. So what happens? It dies. Self-destructs. This is what happens with most cancerous cells originally. They say, hey, I made a mistake. I see my mistake right here. I'm just going to excuse myself from the body because there's really nothing else I can do. I can't change myself now. I've already changed into something else. So I'm not going to continue progressing. Now, we're going to look at the definition of sin because this is where the most startling parallel takes place. In 1 John 3, 4, we find what? Definition of sin, really. Sin is the transgression of the law. Sin is the transgression of the law. What law is that? The law of God. Going against the counsel and the guidance and the direction of God. Cancer is very similar because didn't God form us and make us? But the cancer cell says, no, I don't want to do what God told you to do. I want to do my own thing. Now, not only is there a similarity between the definition of cancer and sin, there are also very close similarities in progression. How does cancer progress? Question two, how does sin progress? 
Proverbs 6, 16. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. The first thing, in verse 17, a proud look. Second thing, a lying tongue. Third thing, hands that shed innocent blood. Fourth, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Fifth thing, feet that be swift in running to mischief. The sixth thing, a false witness that speaketh lies. And the last, the very abomination unto the Lord, is he that soweth discord among brethren. Now, this sounds like a progression of sin, does it not? In fact, if we look at the history, the originating of sin, we find that in heaven, Lucifer, the original sinner, started his campaign of sin with pride, right? And he followed all of these steps, all the way down to the final thing which got him cast out of heaven, which was sowing discord among brethren, outright rebellion against God's law, God's order. This is why he had to leave. And so, as we look into this, we're, we're going to take a look into the steps that brought Lucifer down, but the steps also that correlate into the progression of sin in our lives and cancer as it progresses in the body. And so we will look on a step-by-step -step basis based on that chapter in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 6. Step 1, a proud look. I don't know if cells have pride because they don't really have an emotional center, but cells do make decisions, do they not? Cells make decisions. After a transgression of the DNA, when the cell says, okay, I found what I'm supposed to do and I'm not going to do it, or I found what I'm supposed to do, hey, I made a mistake here, I can't do that anymore, it either can self-destruct because it realizes it's just headed to become a useless blob, or it can say, I am going to continue on in transgression. It definitely is making this decision somehow. Because cancer cells, they decide that they will not submit to the law of the cell. When they realize, they compare themselves to these other copies that they have of the law, and they say, hey, I'm in transgression here, but I'm okay. I'm going to do my own thing. This is cancer. Now, this is a lot like sin, isn't it? When we realize we're doing something wrong, say, hey, uh-oh, I'm in transgression of God's law. So what do I do now? Do I cease my existence of the evil habit or behavior? Do I self-destruct? Do I die to self? Or the self say, no, Lord, I'm going to do what I want to do. You know my heart. I'm a good person. I don't have to follow your law or your order. You know, it doesn't matter how nice we say it. It's still disobedience. And so the cell that decides to continue in disobedience has just become a cancer cell. That original pride in heaven, where sin originated, what happened with Lucifer when pride was found in him? Did he say, okay, Lord, I'm not going to be prideful anymore. Please help me. No, he didn't. The cancer cell says, I like myself. I'm doing a good job here in the body. In fact, I want to be the body. And I think I'd do a better job than the body that's following all these unnecessary rules in the body. We're living at liberty here. 
And even though we're blob cells, we don't realize it. But it takes away this limit. And it says, I'm going to continue on until I take over the entire body. That's why tumors grow so big. But it all started with pride, with a decision not to die to self, not to die on a cellular level in the cancer cell. Step two, a lying tongue. What did Lucifer do when pride was found in him? I don't have pride. What did he go tell the other angels? Started lying about the character of God. What happens when we have pride in our hearts? When we cherish pride, when we say, okay, I realize that that was not right, but I'm going to do it anyway, you know what we have to do eventually? We're going to have to lie to cover it up. And just as the cancer cell does in our bodies. You see, when cancer decides to lie, there are other mechanisms in the body that are a safeguard against cancer. The first line of defense is that the cell will make the right decision. And we hope that it will. But if the cell decides to progress, we have an immune system that looks for cancer, that looks for cells that are not obeying the DNA. And you know what the immune system does? It goes along and it politely destroys them. Cells put out something on their surface, which basically is a marker of what they're doing inside. It's called Major Histocompatibility Complex, or MHC. This protein tells other cells, and it also tells white blood cells, particularly T cells, what is going on inside the cell. Did you know the T cell needs MHC? It can't destroy this cell without it, and this cancer cell knows it. So the T cell is rendered ineffective, ineffective because of this lying tongue. The cancer cell basically says, I'm okay, but I'm not going to show you what I'm doing. I'm all right. And I'm not showing you, I'm not showing anyone else, I'm not putting this out anymore either because I don't want anyone to know what I'm doing. And so this deception, often when sin is pointed out, it goes underground and we, we try to hide it. If we have some bad habit in our lives, I remember when I started uh, smoking, and I smoked for about three years. Praise the Lord, He gave me the victory over it. But when I was caught, I went underground. When I realized I'm smoking, what are my parents going to say? I didn't just say, hey, Mom and Dad, see my pack of cigarettes? No, I would take the cigarettes and I would hide them. And I would go out and I would sneak out and I would smoke cigarettes. And if there's anyone here that's doing that, please... Come see me, because you need to stop smoking as soon as possible. It's only going to get worse. Now is the best time to stop, today, this very minute. But sin goes underground. We tend to hide our sins, to cover, to cover our sins. The Bible says, he who covereth his sins shall not prosper, right? But he who forsaketh, confesseth, and forsaketh shall have mercy, amen? Now, the body also has another safeguard here. This is amazing. When the cancer cell decides that it's not going to show the MHC to the killer T cell, the T cell is rendered ineffective. It can't do much without the MHC. It can't kill the cancer cell. But the Lord gave us another cell. It's called the natural killer cell. The T cell can send out interleukins 
and chemicals to say, hey, I need help here. This guy's not showing me his papers. So this natural killer cell is kind of like the commando of the police force. He comes in and he says, okay, you don't need to show me your papers. You're not showing your papers and for that very reason, I'm going to have to destroy you. You're not behaving correctly. And so the natural killer cell can kill cancer. You want to have a lot of these in your body, don't you? And you want to have them working effectively if you want to help prevent cancer from forming in your body. Step three, hands that shed innocent blood. What did Lucifer do in heaven? Would he have killed if he could? He hated Christ. Cancer cells, by their de very definition, they do not want to cease and desist. They want to get as big as the body. And so it goes on and on and on and on and on until you have millions of these cancer cells because they don't stop, they don't follow program cellular death, they don't follow the order of the cells. So all of a sudden you have a tumor in the body, some tumor, some mass. But this tumor needs something. It needs something very badly. Where is the life? The life is in the blood, amen? That's what the Bible tells us. The life is in the blood. Could you live very long without blood? Could your, most of your tissue live very long without blood? No, it couldn't. So this tumor has gotten so big that it does not have enough blood. The normal blood supply going to that area, wherever the tissue is, is the normal blood supply for normal tissue. Is cancer normal? By its very definition, it's abnormal. And it's, it's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger if left undetected. And so at some point, the cell is going to say, hey, we're starving over here. You need to feed us. Send us a blood supply. Send us some arteries. And so it starts this process using these chemicals, these requ requesting chemicals, this process known as angiogenesis. And pretty soon, if this process continues, we have a blood supply to the tumor. And if the life is in the blood, what have we just given to the tumor? Life. And now this tumor can grow much, much better. So it enlarges its borders. But if the life is in the blood and the tumor has just taken blood away from a, another part of the body, it's taking an unequal share of the blood. In fact, this can actually pull blood away from tissues that really need it. And so around all, mostly all tumor cells, you have this area that starts to form of dead cells, dead normal cells. The cancer cell didn't care. It says, I don't care about you. You don't mean anything to me. You're not going to be what I am. I want to be the body, so you're in my way. So what happens? Shedding of innocent blood. Step three. When you have a blood supply that's cut off to one region of the body that relies on blood, then you have what's called ischemia. That area of, of, of tissue does not get oxygen, and so it eventually dies. Necrosis. Necrotic tissue is dead tissue. Step four is a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. With this blood supply, the cancer cell gets a new motivation. It says, hey, if we continue on like this, we can become the body. Then we won't have to worry about these T cells and natural killer cells. These are our enemies, but we don't have to worry about them anymore. Let's just take over the whole body. 
If we get large enough, they can't deal with us. The majority will rule. And so the cancer cells just keep getting bigger. What did Satan do? He said, I will exalt my throne above the Most High. I'll be like the Most High. That was a wicked imagination, was it not? It decides not to follow the order of the cell, not to follow the pre-programmed cellular death that's set for all the other cells and that used to be set for it. It says, I will be immortal. Step five in this progression of the cancer and progression of the sin that we're looking at and the similarities between the two. We find that in Proverbs it says, feet that be swift in running to mischief. Now this is interesting because Lucifer in heaven was doing this. He, he actually went and gathered one-third of all the angels on his side. He ran after them and was very swift in this, very subtle in this. But God saw what he was doing. He was very uh, patient and forbearing with Lucifer. But he went and spread this mischief among all heaven. Now this is the same thing that we do when we are sinning, when we are transgressing the law of God in our own lives. We tend to go and pull others. We go and we spread our philosophies, our, our false theories of how we should live that are in opposition to God, and we wreak havoc on other people's lives as well. And it does not just affect our lives. Sin affects everyone around us. Now, in terms of the cancer cell, cancer cells really do not like to live together. The same way that you would have a group of sinners that will not like to live together, that any inclination will attack or backstab or um, misalign each other. The reason why, if we look at a, on a cellular level here, normal tissue cells have proteins that they put on their outer surface. One of the reasons why they do this is to let other cells know what's going on in the cell. And so it has neighbors that have proteins, and these proteins help these cells to stick together. And so there's cohesion in normal cells. There's a cohesive unity that Christ brings to his followers, that we want to come together, we want to live together to help each other. We're told how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. But when we look to the cancer cell, we realize something totally different is going on here. You see, cancer cells are not displaying these proteins. We have cancer cells that are loosely bound together. They're just kind of clumped together. And at the slightest inclination, these will leave. If they could leave, usually they're surrounded with some kind of membrane, basement membrane is often what it's called. When this breaks open, these cancer cells will leave. They will run away as soon as possible. Now, in the normal tissue, if you were to have a breakage of the cell, uh, the membrane that was holding the tissues together, these would stick together still. They wouldn't run off and go into other parts of the body. But the tumors, the tumors, when they are broken open, usually this happens when we have a blood supply that is established to the tumor. If it's large enough, if the vessels are large enough, tumor cells will exit the tumor, the cancer cells. They'll go floating around in the bloodstream and look for another place to relocate. 
and to start again, to start another tumor colony. Now, unfortunately, the body has a mechanism in which if new tissue is forming, it can send out signals, chemical signals, that can actually say, bring us blood. We need a blood supply. And so this is what the tumor is actually doing. It's sending out this request for blood supply. And the, the term is called angiogenesis. It's sending out this request and it's being answered by the body. The body says, okay, you're in need, we'll give you life. And so this blood supply is established. What happens? The membrane is broken open and tumor cells, cancer cells go out on this stream of blood and go all over the body. And so it's unfortunate. They are very swift in running to mischief. Another route that this uh, tumor cell can take is going into the lymphatic system. You see there's a, a pressure gradient between the circulatory system and the lymphatic system. Circulatory system is high pressure. Lymphatic system is low pressure. So what happens is if the cell, the membrane is broken open, the low pressure is kind of like a vacuum. It will suck in cancer cells. That's why if you've heard of someone, uh, their diagnosis, oh, their cancer has spread to the lymph nodes. That's because this cancer has gotten so big that it's burst open the membrane and it's now going throughout the lymphatic system in the body. This shedding and seeding is known as the term metastasis. If you've heard of a cancer cell metastasizing, this is the process, the process of spreading mischief, being swift to spread mischief, going somewhere else in the body to cause harm. Step six is a false witness that speaketh lies. We're looking at the progression of sin in the book of Proverbs. A false witness that speaketh lies. Now, when Lucifer was in heaven, what was he doing? He was the father of liars and he was spreading lies and dissension there in heaven. And he actually got other angels to join in. We can look and see what happens on the cellular level. What happens is, we have the tumor cells, and uh, we have something that's going on on the outside of the cancer cells, killing off innocent cells. This tumor is actually encased by these dead cells, known as necrotic tissue. Because of the chemicals that the tumor is sending out, the regulatory T cell picks up on these and says, hey, you're telling me that you're not dangerous to the body. And so the regulatory T cell says, okay, helper T cell and killer T cell, the tumor is our friend. We need to live with it in harmony. We don't need to attack it anymore. And so basically what happens is the tumor is then free to grow as it likes. It has just shut down the immune system, basically. And so it has tricked the immune system by giving a false witness. Now these chemicals are really the false witness. This is more like the innocent party, but there are all often innocent parties in lies, aren't there? When you are to speak a lie, you have someone else pick it up and repeat it. And they may think it's a truth. Will a lie ever become true just because someone is sincere about telling it? No, it never becomes true. A lie is always a lie. So the lying witness affects the body here a false witness that speaketh lies. And so it makes this regulatory T-cell a partner in promoting tumor growth. Now the next is step seven. This is the ultimate step 
in sin and is the ultimate step in cancer development. And this is the reason why. Step seven, he that soweth discord among brethren. In the book of Proverbs, it says this step is an abomination unto the Lord. Now in heaven were all the angels brethren at first. They were living in harmony. They were living in peaceful, tranquil lives. There was never any war, never any discord. But when Satan came along, there are all these things popping up in heaven. But eventually what happened? Eventually, Satan said, we have made a decision. We do not agree with God. We are going to take a stand. And he sowed discord among brethren. He created a division. Is there any hope for us? If we have committed ourselves fully to sin, we can't really judge it ourselves. It's a pattern of grieving away the Spirit of God. And when we get to a point where we can no longer hear His voice, when we have hardened our hearts in transgression, we are lost. We may be walking around talking, but we're lost. So it can come to a point where we have committed basically the unpardonable sin. Every sin that we commit, the Lord can forgive. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him. Step seven in the body, the most deadly component of cancer growth. We have normal cells. Normal cells are following the DNA. They have agreed that yes, the way that God designed the DNA is the best way. We will do our part, but the cancer cell does not like these normal cells. The cancer cell begins to actually despise these normal cells. These cells are taking away blood. The cancer cell will not have this. It will not share life with normal cells. So what happens is the cancer cell begins to target these cells. And how does it do it? Well, it attacks what commonly binds them, which is the law, the law of the cell. It attacks the law, and this is how it does it. What it does is it points to all of these dead cells that are encasing the tumor cell, and it says body, specifically immune system, we need to do something about these cells. These cells are surrounding us, they're dead, they're rotting, they're putrefying, they're disgusting, we cannot have this. You need to attack these cells because they're causing mischief here. So the false witness concept speaks again. But what happens is the body says, okay, you're right. We cannot clear these quickly enough. We need to attack these cells, these cells that are following this law, this order. And so what happens is it develops antibodies known as B lymphocytes. And so what you have is you have an outright war against the law that God has put in the cell for its operation. And this is the component that God hates the most. Because he sees his creation becoming something under attack, something that has been misaligned, and the very law, the very order that he has established has been attacked. This is the most dangerous, most deadly component of cancer. What is the answer? What is the solution? We've seen that cancer is very, very deadly. It grows rapidly. It almost seems to have a mind of its own. But as a little aside here, 
Cancer cells do not have brains. They don't have brains. So we're going to look a little bit later at how these cells are making these decisions. It almost seems as like they have a mind of their own though, right? Because they're choosing to do these things that are not programmed into the cell, or, or are they? The Bible says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. In our mind, we lay up the, the Lord's words in our minds so that when we are going out, when we are doing things, we realize this is not in accordance with God's word. But binding them upon our heart is not enough. Just keeping them in the heart is not enough. There is a physical need for keeping God's law. You can have a genetic propensity to diabetes, but it does not mean that you will get diabetes. In fact, many people have this propensity and never develop diabetes in their lives. If we had inherited diabetic genes, well, maybe I should not have such a high-fat diet. Maybe I need to really watch my weight. You're saying, no, I'm not going to allow my cells the opportunity to develop diabetes because I'm not putting my genes in a position where they will feel like they need to operate. These diabetic-causing genes, you're not bringing out the characteristics of these genes. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 21-23, it says, Prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what it means to honor God, to prove all things, to hold fast to that which is good. We have seen that there might be some oncogenes in our DNA, cancer-promoting genes. But God has placed something right beside these genes. They're known as tumor repressor genes. When these tumor repressor genes are turned on, this is the ideal state of living. Now, contrary-wise, we could be in a state of disobedience to God. We will be in a state where the oncogenes can promote these bad replications in our DNA. And so what can happen? The cancer cell becomes proud. God has endowed us with the ability to will, to think, and to do. And so we have the responsibility. We cannot look to our DNA and say, DNA was at fault here. There are some cases, one out of ten, where it could be that there was just such a matchup in our genetics that yes, cancer could have started initially when we are just an embryo. But the vast majority of people have cancer that is promoted as a result of our own actions or inactions. We have the options today. Turn on the oncogenes or turn on the tumor repressor genes. Which state of living will we live under? God wants us to, when we walk, when we go places, when we do things, to be led by the Word of God, to be led by His Word, and to choose to make healthy choices, to make holy choices based on His Word. And when we are doing this, we will be making choices that are favorable to health, that are favorable to tumor repressor genes. Now to give you an example of this, let's look at the concept of diet. Dietary choices and carcinogens. We've seen that carcinogens are needed to kind of cause a mutation in the genetics. This is a favorable environment for oncogenes to proliferate and to cause uh, cancer to come forth. So when we decide, when we say, 
I'm going to go out and get a large fry, a hamburger, and a large caffeinated beverage. What choice am I making? Well, I may be doing this out of ignorance, but there are numerous carcinogens located in these foods. Hamburgers, specifically charbroiled hamburgers, are filled with a carcinogen known as benzopyrene. Benzopyrene is also found in cigarettes, but if you just have one four-ounce steak, you're having multiple, many, many times more amounts of this benzopyrene carcinogen in your diet, in your body, than smoking packs upon packs of cigarettes. It's a very serious carcinogen. So the hamburger, was that a good choice? Fries. The state of California had legislation put out that said fries are hazardous to your health. They can contain something that is known to cause cancer, according to the state of California. Now, this wasn't good for business, was it? No. Potato products that are fried at high temperature actually bring about this carcinogen known as acrylamide. And so fries do cause cancer. The state of California has verified this. But fries taste delicious. So do we live for taste or do we live for health? We should live for health. Right, let's take another look here. A large soft drink contains large amounts of caffeine and other chemicals that are added in to enhance the, the uh, pleasure response. But caffeine in and of itself is a carcinogen. It's a mutagen. It causes mutations in the DNA. And when it comes down to it, this is very, very low in total nutrients. Vitamin and minerals, it's very deficient. It's high in protein, animal protein, fat, particularly saturated fats, and simple, very simple carbohydrates which all bring about a host of other diseases, not even just mentioning the specific carcinogens. The statement, you are what you eat, is valid. But it's not just you are what you eat, it's you are what you do. Many people look at the idea of prevention and wellness, they say, well, I need to eat better. Well, we need to exercise, we need to do many, many things that can enable these tumor repressor genes and these, these good genetics to kick in and to start promoting health in the body. Genesis 1.29, And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you, it shall be for food. This was the perfect diet, was it not? This was a di dietary instructions given in the perfection of the Garden of Eden. Now, even after the fall, there was an addition given. In Genesis 3.18, we find a specific instruction here listed as well. You shall eat of the herb of the field. So vegetables, nuts, grains, legumes provided the perfect diet for the original pair. Now the original pair had genetics, did they not? And so God gave them specific dietary instructions to enhance their genetics, to bring about health, to promote clarity of mind, because He wanted them to come back to Him. Amen? He didn't just annihilate them when they had sinned. Comparing these two diets again, the carcinogen-rich diet and the Genesis diet, we can call it. Let's look at some of the research that deals with these diets. The World Cancer Research Fund found that people who consume more than five servings of fruits and vegetables a day reduce the risk of cancer across the board by approximately 50%. So this is favorable. This diet is favorable to tumor repressor genes. 
the previous diet, the common western diet is, as it's called, activates oncogenes. This is why we have so many people dying from cancer. One of the reasons why is because of diet. Now what happens if our immune system is decreased? What happens if our killer T cells are not going around looking for cancer cells? What happens if our natural killer cells are not going around searching for cancer or for viruses or for whatever else it might be able to find in the body that's foreign? What happens if this is going on? These cells will go unnoticed and undetected. And when this happens, we have a proliferation of cancer cells. Now, is sleep important? God said in the beginning, the evening and the morning were the first day. The biblical day is from even to even. The day starts at night. Now, there is a chemical that is involved, one of the chemicals involved here, and it's known as melatonin. Melatonin is a neurotransmitter that is produced by the pineal gland in the brain. It's a powerful antioxidant and it greatly improves the function of the immune system. In fact, when this chemical is secreted by the brain, not taken internally, studies have shown other things uh, contrary to this, when you take it internally, but it's when it's secreted naturally by the body at the right amounts, at the right times, it can actually decrease the death rate of breast cancer because it's a powerful immune stimulator. Now, how do we increase levels of this uh, sleep-boosting hormone, this health-boosting hormone? First of all, it starts with getting a good amount of sunlight during the day. Now, you may ask, well, what does sunlight have to do with sleeping? Well, it has a lot to do with it, actually. You see, when sunlight filters through our retinas and a transmission is made back to the same uh, light-sensing organ, or light-affected organ, the pineal gland, serotonin, which is an alertness-boosting neurotransmitter. Neurotransmitter is basically a chemical, like a hormone acts in the body, a neurotransmitter reacts in, on uh, certain brain cells to trigger a response, or, or nervous cells to trigger a response. So basically, when we have a high amount of serotonin, because eyes have been exposed to sunlight, and I'm not talking about looking at the sun, because you can develop cataracts if you're just staring at the sun all day. I'm talking about going out in the light. Serotonin boosts our mood. It helps us to feel better, helps us to be more alert, and it actually helps us to sleep better. This is the reason why. Because once we decide, okay, it's time to sleep, what usually happens about this time? If we're on a normal schedule, we're not working a night shift, what happens to kind of show that, hey, uh, it's actually a very real change outside that says, hey, it's about time to settle down and get ready for bed. It starts to get dark, right? The sun goes down. Now, the Lord has built this into our bodies. And so, when the sun goes down, there is no longer serotonin made. It's slowing down at least. It comes to a, almost a standstill. Another hormone is being made in response to total darkness or increasing darkness. Melatonin is made. Now, how is it made? Well, you need serotonin to make melatonin. If you have just a small amount of serotonin, can you make a large amount of melatonin? No, this is your limited ingredient right here. You need a large amount of serotonin to make a large amount of melatonin. So it's important for us to get adequate sunlight exposure. This will not happen because you cannot create something that's not there. Now, there is a, something that's necessary here also in the conversion of serotonin to melatonin. This is vitamin 
B6. Bananas are an excellent source of vitamin B6. There are a number of others. I advise you if you're interested in boosting the amount of melatonin in your body, in your brain particularly, find out what other foods, fruits, nuts, vegetables are rich in melatonin and include them in your daily diet so that you are enabling this conversion of serotonin to melatonin. And keep in mind this very important fact that our bodies know how to use it best. They have done studies on melatonin and melatonin when it's secreted normally it decreases cancer rates so what people do is they say hey I'm gonna keep eating like I'm eating and I'm gonna go buy some melatonin I'm just gonna pop a pill and take it whenever I need it and so this mindset actually boosts cancer they've actually done studies on people who just take melatonin at different times during the day and they actually increase the risk of cancer what happens is our body knows how to secrete it at the proper amounts at the proper times so that it decreases cancer risk not increase cancer risk. Is it normal for our bodies to have a massive amount of melatonin during the day? No. So it's very abnormal to our DNA. Things that are very abnormal to our DNA tend to promote the oncogenes to produce uh, cancerous cells. So it's very important for us to trust the Lord to choose the good and to refuse the evil. And Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee because he trusteth in thee. If we are struggling with peace in our own lives, if we are struggling with depression and anxiety, we are turning on oncogenes. We are increasing the proliferation of cancer cells. We must have peace in our hearts. And there is only one true source. It's not in the things of the world. It's not in medicine or these advanced therapeutics for cancer. The only source of peace in our lives also comes from the only source of true instruction and health. This is the covenant that God desires for each one of us today. That we might realize He wants to prosper us. He wants us to be in good health. He wants us to be happy. And He wants us even to be holy. And it is all possible through His Word. Now, this concept of cancer, we have so many people today dying from cancer. But there is an even greater problem in this world today. Not limited to the United States. Not limited to Western countries who suffer mainly from lifestyle diseases. This is the extent of the problem. It's a worldwide problem. Every single person is affected. We know what sin is. We know what hurting our bodies really comes down to. It's really transgression of God's plan of living. But there's something that hurts His heart even more. And that's when we refuse to even realize what it is that we're doing wrong. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have all been affected by this. And we need to realize this. It's a fact. All have sinned. I have sinned. You have sinned. We have all sinned. But God has plenty of promises for the sinner. Amen? Plenty of promises for those who have even put themselves in a lifestyle that has brought about disease. You see, when Jesus came to this earth, He spent more time healing physical infirmities than He did preaching or teaching. His desire is to heal us. God desires to pardon and to heal and to cleanse. We've seen the problem, right? We've seen the progression, the physiology of cancer in the body. 
Now we're going to look at treatment. What we need to do, regardless of whatever else we decide to do is in terms of cancer treatment, is we need to refocus these white blood cells to kill cancer cells. We need to realign ourselves into harmony with God's way of living, with God's plan of living. Decrease the amount of carcinogens in our body. And to cleanse our bodies of defilement. Remove those chemicals that initiate a line witness to evade destruction. Remove those chemical antibodies which sow discord among brethren. Remove all of these things that are toxins in our bodies. We need the shedding of blood and we also need cleansing of defilement. But did you know there is a very simple way, a very natural way of realigning, refocusing your white blood cells to not attack your body anymore? Very simple way. Malachi 4.2, the Word of God speaks. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in His wings. This is comparing the Lord Jesus Christ to the sun rising in the sky. The sun actually has very powerful health promoting properties. In fact, studies have shown that adequate amount of vitamin D produced by the sun, lighting on our skin, actually suppresses an irregular immune system and T cells, killer T cells that are going around attacking the body. It suppresses that. And so it decreases inflammation. It decreases that sowing of discord among brethren. One study found that moderate sunlight exposure decreased colon cancer risk by 50 to 80 percent. Vitamin D through the, the sun can stop many cancer cells from reproducing. It stops leukemia. It stops lymphoma. It stops breast cancer. And you know what? The, the skin cancer that everyone is afraid of, the melanoma, which people hide inside because, oh, I don't want to get malignant melanoma. That's so deadly. Vitamin D, UVB radiation, going into the skin, pr producing vitamin D, stops malignant melanoma from growing. Breast cancer can be stopped. Lymphoma can be stopped. Leukemia can be stopped. If we see the path of the transgression in our own bodies, the Son of Righteousness can arise with healing in His wings. One study found that adequate amount of vitamin D in the body had resulted in a reduction of 50 to 77 percent in expected incident rates across the board and all types of cancer in the state of Nebraska. 50 to 77 percent reduction in rates. And this is just targeting one of the steps of cancer. One of the steps. So it's very important for us to realize that God has a plan of healing for us. God has a way of healing for us. And it's a way which involves nature. It's a way that involves cleansing. It's a way that, that does punish the transgressors of the law that does require for a shedding of blood, but also requires for a cleansing from all defilement. Now, how are some ways we can naturally cleanse? We can get rid of these lying witnesses that the tumor cells are propagating and these chemicals the tumor cells are sending out. Well, a semi-fasting state is one way. The two-meal-a-day plan is actually very effective in reducing the amount of toxins in the body. And uh, it's probably recommended for cancer to actually watch how you fast because studies have shown that if you just totally restrict your food altogether, your amount of natural killer cells will decrease in the body. So you need strength. Eat for strength, not for drunkenness. 
Uh, fruit fast is also very good in decreasing the amount of toxins in the body. There are many ways of fasting you can study. Water is very good for cleansing internally and externally. Hydrotherapy, this is a very, very effective way of removing toxins from the body. Also just going out and exercising, the perspiration will remove toxins from the body. This is also very important. Activated charcoal can be taken internally and externally to remove toxins. It's actually adhering to things, to certain things in the body. Taken wisely, it can be an aid in natural cleansing. And finally here, this is the very key to the cleansing from sin to the remission of cancer here. Psalm 77.13 says, Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Admitting that the Lord Jesus Christ is our God is the first step. Admitting that He has paid the ultimate sacrifice, that He has shed His blood for us, but also admitting that His way is in the sanctuary. What does that mean? His way is in the sanctuary. Well, let's examine that as we wrap up. With all of this defilement, this bringing of, of sins into the sanctuary, something had to be done. Just as when we have our DNA, something must be done. We need to cleanse our bodies. We need to cleanse our bodies of defilement. We need to live in harmony with God's law. He says, Know ye not that you are the temple of God? He wants to dwell within us. We must be cleansed as well. But on Day of Atonement, one day a year, in the uh, ancient ceremonial service, a record of sin was removed. The cleansing of the sanctuary took place. Every year, on the Day of Atonement, the priest would enter into the most holy place following a very careful preparation. You can read about it in Leviticus 14. But a cleansing was done on the sanctuary. A cleansing. So we see here something very important. That not only do we need a sacrifice, do we need a shedding of blood in the way to remove sin from our lives. God's way. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. We need a shedding of blood and a cleansing. What about cancer? If cancer is similar in definition to sin. If cancer is similar in, in progression to sin, could it be similar in definition? God's way to cure cancer, could it be similar in definition to the way that God desires to purge sin from us? Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. His way requires shedding of blood and cleansing from all defilement. In Hebrews 9.23, we find the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate high priest, and what he did for us, what he is currently doing for us, says, It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. In Hebrews 9.28, it says, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. This is God's way. This is God's plan for our lives today. Your happiness, your holiness, your sanctification, your very life in his hands. And he who has called you is faithful to do all these things.